Alrighty, folks, and we are live. Hey, it is a briskly cold, windy evening here in Kansas. I think a good portion of the United States is dealing with this right now. Chilly weather. Chilly weather is right, uh, folks. This evening, uh, obviously, this isn't cat. No, um, I'm not even a decent substitute. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> We've got. Uh, we need this gum. Here we go. You got to scoop forward just a little bit. Hold on. But that. Perfect. That's much better. All right. All righty, folks. This is Brian Lasley with DT Systems, and he came out for a couple days to hunt, hang out, chit-chat, do the things. And right. I invited him to join us here for Yahweh Night Podcast to talk about hunting stories, as well as some of the cool stuff that we've got rolling with DT. Bunch of good stuff. It's a lot of good stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got um, some water. You, you got water. You can, you can borrow some of mine. Oh, I'll let you keep it. Buddy. You got to give it back if I'm let you borrow. <laughs> okay. Well, this is good. This is good. You're not just giving it to me. We're going to share a bottle of water. Perfect. It's my good buddy. Um, <laughs> really good buddy. Like, yes, we're getting better all the time. Um, I want to start, folks, by... Uh, saying thank you to the patrons we talk about uh, sponsors of everything that we do and those that are patrons are the biggest sponsor to help support the content that we have here um that it's a much different looking cat it says here on this live video i'm a strange cat <laughs> all right so uh thank you patrons um and for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about a lot of you do lots of folks that are here um repeat offenders uh, if you will but the patrons are folks that sign up on patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. It's an online dog training community that we have set up to answer questions and help guide you through training. Um, and then on the lowest end of the spectrum, it's a subscription service, so it does cost money. But on the lowest end of the spectrum, you are just supporting what you're already getting available to you for free via YouTube and everything else. Yes, Miss Kelly, I hit the record button. Thank you. And, um, then if you do have questions, you can go all the way through the high end of the spectrum being live. And that is, we do a FaceTime. Um, it's it's Kat or you and I, and we are, are training dogs together. And that is uh, the best way for us to help you. The most powerful tool that we have here at Standing Stone is our ability to read dogs in training situations. So thank you to patrons. And because of those folks, um, this, anybody that is watching live gets to watch live ad free. And that is because of the patrons as well as folks that uh, do super chats. We will have time for some questions toward the end, but we've got a few things that we're going to be discussing, talking a little bit about some of the adventures that Brian and I have been on over the years. And as always, um, you know, Yawa stuff. Taking questions. It is what we do. Uh, I want to do some check-ins here real quick. You were asking, how, how, who, where do these people listen from? What do yep. we got here? We've got uh, British Columbia, Canada. BC representing. Uh-huh. Timmins, Canada. <coughs> Even from Montpelier. Mont, did I say that right? Montpelier. Montpelier. Indiana. Myrtle Beach. You said oh, that's yeah. close to your hometown, huh? Yep. Just north of there at uh, EI, North Isle. So not far. Not far? You You're where? No? Em- Emerald Isle. Emerald Isle. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's an old marketing name. Doing yeah. doing good, trying to stay warm. 
Uh, Parachute, Colorado, Illinois, Minnesota, New Jersey. Everybody. Uh, Kelly from New Jersey. Checking in from Utah. Mm-hmm. New York, Wisconsin. Sweater weather. Absolutely. Wearing t-shirts. It's like t-shirt weather here. Yep. Pennsylvania. That's where uh, our boy from uh, Burger. Yeah. Where's he from? He was up in there. Somewhere. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to close my, my volume. I gave you a little pep talk before. I was like, all right, you're going to want to turn and talk to me. I have to do this. Doing, I'm yeah, doing you, this. You got to kind of pivot your body just a yeah. little bit. Okay. Or just pretend like we're looking at each other right here on the screen. I'm like, I got this, and then I got that, and then I got this. So uh-huh. I need to just get like right here. Yep. Just and I'm going to do one more adjustment for you because you keep moving somehow. There we go. I think it's my magnetic personality that interacts with polar opposites there. Pushes it away. Uh, We've got Vars. (laughs) Where is Vars? Hiya from Vars. Hmm. Scott Clark. I know where that is. It it could be the capital of of Mars, but I'm not sure. It's not. uh, It says Essex outside Newark. Joyzy. Uh huh. Oklahoma, Indiana, Texas, Texas, Wisconsin, South Carolina. Again, bingo. Oregon. Utah, Washington, Ohio, Ohio, Texas, still checking in, Manhattan, Kansas. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. Um, I want to give you, Brian, this Pretty is cool. kind of a, a standard. <laughs> um, this it's, is not, kind of, it's not. It's not. It's not. Come on now. Um, it's kind of a, a standard thing that is, I want you to just tell everybody just a little bit about yourself, your background. Okay. You've got a long history in the industry as yep. well as, um, you know, with DT this far. For sure. So I started out, I mean, I've always loved, you know, to hunt, fish, get out with the dogs and, and, and get out there and just enjoy what, what, what everything here that it's all about and getting out in the field, getting out with the dogs, training dogs. Uh, when I was a kid, I just mostly um, duck hunting. Mm-hmm. And so I had three retrievers that I trained uh, from the time that I was about nine until the time I was about 15, 16 years old. And so I had a couple of, I had a Chessie, uh, you ever heard of a flat coat retriever by chance? I have heard of flat coat retrievers, but I've never actually worked, uh, worked with one. It's like a long haired lab kind of, okay. you know what I mean? Okay. So first I had the Chessie, then I had a, the flat coat retriever, then I had a lab, then I had another Chessie. So trained those up and then I got into the working world and, uh, for some reason Remington thought it'd be a good idea to hire me. So I worked with him for about 10 years. No, you're talking <coughs> Remington, the Firearm manufacturing yep. and ammo manufacturing company. Yep, the Remington Arms Company, and uh, that uh, I work. Like I said, I, w- I was there for a good while, and I was the brand manager uh, for all the firearms line. And I gravitated towards shotguns because bird hunting, sure, you know, absolutely. duck hunting, bird hunting, and uh, did that for a good long while and enjoyed that. Hunted all over the world, uh, all over Canada. Went down to South America, hunted in Europe some, and uh, just chasing you know upland and waterfowl. What and, do you hunt in Europe? Uh, basically kind of like chucker type upland stuff okay. over there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, then in South America we hunted, uh, there was some upland birds there and they called them perdies. Perdies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you might've heard, it looks like a, kind of like a long legged quail that's big, you know, and they varied in size from quail size to maybe, uh, twice the size of a quail. Yeah. And they're pretty cool to hunt. Let's they weren't. See. They weren't anything near as colorful and, and pretty as the upland birds that kind we've of got here. More like a sharp tail coloring wise. Yeah. Kind of. Basically, yeah. 
And then I also moved from Remington to Beretta. And then I worked for Beretta for a couple of years and did all the shotgun stuff for them. Yep. And uh, then I was uh, I was actually sitting in an airport one day and Turn traveled right. all the time. And uh, can you hear me now? There we go. I like how they spelled uh, Brian, too. That's the... That's how I should have had my parents spell it before I was born. But I like it, you know. <laughs> it looks good, though. It looks good on the screen. But, is, that, uh, is that better, folks? How you doing? We've got Brian, the little closet talker over here. Can you hear me now? So Better. Uh, better. Okay. All right. Tell good me good. deal. But uh, I moved from uh, Beretta, and um, We'll get him broke in, folks. A guy uh, gave me a call one time mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, I'm looking for a guy. i got a dog training collar company, and... Uh, it's pretty kind of still in the industry because we make dog training collars for dogs that hunt. And uh, I said, yeah, man, I'll give it a shot. And that was about 10 years ago, and I've been working from home ever since and working with you, messing around, killing time, you know, doing stuff. <laughs> so it's been, it's been fun. I love, I love getting out there. I love talking to folks. I love seeing how people interact with their dogs, and then their dogs interact back and forth with them. And then like we were talking about the other day, driving down the road going pheasant hunting, like the anticipation is kind of the biggest part of the event. Sure. So if you think, all right, so if you think about you got a puppy, you're anticipating getting that puppy. Yep. It's just freaking great. You know what I mean? When you get the puppy, it's like Christmas time. (laughs) And then you got eight months of training until you actually take him out into the field, which is like you're anticipating that first hunt, right? So the whole time you're just like, oh my God, I can't wait till I get my first retrieve. You know, how, how many people say, oh, the first retrieve with the dog or my first point. Oh my God, I can't wait till the first point. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, that's just so cool to me. And you get to relive it every single time you come out here and, and see you training a new dog or every time we, me and you get to go on another hunt with a new dog. I've been with Rex. I've been with Nick's. I've been with Vex and any number of the different dogs. And when we went out chasing, <clears throat> talking about our adventures, we went out chasing uh, sage grouse. Yeah. We had old, we had Rex uh-huh. and we had Nick's. We did. And uh, I fell in love with Rex because that's the first time I'd ever been hunting with him, really, old man Rex. And uh, I got to see both of them in various stages of their, you know, bird hunting life and their their different, you know, different stages of your training with them and their different experiences. And uh, it's a, all of that, it was anticipating getting to come out there and hunt with you and seeing your different bird dogs and seeing. We even had, I think we had some younger dogs that were even younger than Nick's that were out there with us that time. We and, did, yeah. Um, I love seeing all that. I would have to <laughs> see. I don't remember exactly who was there. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I do remember Rex and Nix for sure. Hundred percent. And then I can't yeah. remember who else. But all of that, every all of that that culminates, and you know, everybody says, "Hey, I want to get a bird dog." Why you want to get a bird dog? You know, what, what is it? What is it that draws you to it? It's the anticipation of training that bird dog and watching that bird dog grow and. And growing your relationship with the bird dog and then and making memories in the field and getting out there and hunting every year. And then you got eight months of downtime every yeah. single year where you can't hunt, but you can still build your relationship with your dog through training. And we were just talking about that uh, when we were walking yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yep. having the ability to go as often as you and I do. And then you kind of get toward the very tail end and it's like, yeah yep. another full day of hunting is mm-hmm. it gets to be a little bit much i mean toward the end but then the day the day it goes over. out yep mm-hmm. the day it goes out yep you're like <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready to go back and start hunting again yeah it is it really is oh we're getting help here mandy was there 
Oh, sweet. And Vex was there as a little bitty pup pup. Oh, Vex was there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And we took a picture of him, and I still have it somewhere. But that was 2015. Yes, because so he was a little bitty baby. He must have been, what? what is he now? So he Six. was a, yeah, so he'd have been a year old. or not even. seven in March. Yeah, Ooh. so he'd have been a year old. Yeah. Six years ago, that would put. Uh, the dream team was out there. And, and Rex was ancient when he was there. Yeah, it was he like was. nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Depending on exactly when we were there. That and, was a long time. And that joker ran all day, a mile day. and a half. But even after all that, <laughs> ran a mile and a half with you in a circle, a semi-circle, <laughs> up and down two or three hills to go bust a, just a bomber of a sage grouse on top of that hill. I'll and never forget it. Some oh, cool. dumb puppy that was not mine. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. But I know it was one of the puppies. Um and it was a liver dog. Went over. Rex picked up my bomber, which it for for those of you that don't know what a bomber is, we'll cover that here in just a minute. Super huge. It's, it's the trophy. Well, we'll cover it right now. It's the yeah. trophy of the sage grouse. I that's mean, a, that's it. Yeah. Big old. They call them bombers because they're giant. They look like chickens taken off. And you say, "Oh, I shot me a sage grouse." Well, yeah. Monster. Okay. It yeah. it was. It's like shooting a chicken. Check like it off. Flying chicken through the air. Yeah. They are giant. Giant, giant. We'll see, we've got a naming contest going on over here, too. Uh-oh. Should we name our new GSP Oakley or Blue? <laughs> good question. I'm going with Oakley because it sounds like a good GSP name. But I guess it depends on if it's a girl or a boy. You know? Doesn't. I, I don't know. Does it? Those seem like great unisex names. Well, true. You bring up a good point. Well, maybe we need to put it to vote. New GSP. We can. I think we can put a vote thing yeah, on here. It's a new GSP people. coming soon to Melissa's house. Should it be named Oakley or Blue? Yeah, I'm going. Little... I'm all the way Oakley, but I don't know. I don't know what you. What do you prefer there? Uh, name the puppy. Oakley or Blue? The name game. Yeah, EU. Yep. That's how it's spelled. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ask the community. Okay. We'll see. Guess what, Melissa? You ask, and we are going to allow the people to answer. Yep. All right, folks. So we got a little sidetracked. Thanks, Brian, for telling us about yourself. We appreciate that. It's yeah, good to get to have you here. Mm-hmm. And Thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's fun to do, and I want to do more of these, but I prefer to sit here in person with somebody via do it over the internet and granted doing it over the internet is is kind of part of it and we'll have to do it eventually but yep is it so i want to talk about a couple things uh one that is upcoming that's really really important yes kelly cats in the comments look at this right here this is the running joke the goat should get goats the greatest Mm. of all freaking time well we're talking about literal goats here the glue that binds this deal together is cat i would say So, Pheasant Fest, all right? We've been a few years. How many years has DT been Pheasant Fest? This will be 10th, I guess. Well, if you, unless you take out the one for the one that was canceled. Yeah, the the rolling cancellation. The the words that won't be mentioned here on the podcast this evening. Yep. So, we've got nine. We share water bottles. We're nine. We're not, yeah, no. I mean, immunity, (laughs) natural immunity. What can we say? So, Pheasant Fest uh, for 2022, it is March 11th through the 13th. Kat and I will be there. We discussed this in a previous Yawa. We will most likely be bringing 
the young and vivacious, vi, 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 I don't know, young thunder. Energetic. Young You're bringing gun. the thunder. You're bringing, we're, you, we're bringing the thunder. You're bringing it. We've got the lightning. We're bringing the thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, thunder will be there with bells on so that everybody can meet him and mentally exhaust him. I am excited to find out how many days it takes. How far can he go? How, how much can he take of love and affection from the thousands upon thousands of people that will come through that building and pet him? It'll be a good test. Mm-hmm. It will be. Endurance well, test. We will be in the DT Systems booth, and there will be more updates both on our page, DT Systems page, about the specific time. You can come chat with us. Um, we'll be bopping around booths a little bit, but we'll spend a good portion of time there with DT. And um, it's it's something that if you are in the area, you need to look this up. It is, um, it is Nebraska, Nebraska, Omaha. Omaha. Yep, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth of what March. What is I believe. the website for that? Let me go. Pheasant, pheasant forever. Is it pheasant? pheasant. If you search pheasant, fast. pheasants forever, and then yep. Click on Pheasants Forever website, and then I believe it will. You can click on events, and it'll be Pheasant Fest 2022. Pheasants Forever. I'm here, and it's a good time. I mean, if you're in their area, it's cold out. Nice deal to get in for the weekend. Chat about hunting, bird dogs, all kinds of good stuff. Come find, by the booth. Find an event. Oh no no no! It was a big button. Pheasant Fest. Pheasant Fest. Money. There it is. Okay. Copy. 11th through the 13th. And then bingo, bingo, folks. There it is. Yeah. Man, it. All things pheasant. <clears throat> it is. It's yeah. a really cool show. You've got <coughs> a lot of um, different things pheasant related. Yep. There'll be a bunch of different boots there as far as hunting goes. And then there will be <laughs> a good number of, I see this. This is rocking and rolling, folks. Um, there'll be a, a number of different things there as far as hunting boots, clothing, outfitters, shotguns. Everything upland related, basically. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good a, show. Even, even down to habitat based stuff. They've got really cool seminars. Um, yep. Some outdoor or out food food cooking stuff. Food it's plots. A cool show. Food plot selection, yeah. seed stuff, everything. A hundred percent. And we'll probably be giving away dummies in the booth. So cool. So that'll be a good deal. Yep. Absolutely. Stop by, get you a free dummy. If you can make it to Omaha, Nebraska, yeah, they've got a big airport there. It's worth flying in for the day. I will say that. It's a mm-hmm. cool show. Mm-hmm. Now, the the next thing that we've got um, that will be in the year that I know that will most likely be, we've been quite a few years up there, is going to be Game Fair with yep. DT Systems. And if you haven't been to Game Fair, that is a show that is all things dog-related. Um, yep. And more specifically, hunting dogs. But it's a really cool show if you got dogs. You can bring outdoor your dog. show. Yeah, it's an outdoor show. Pretty cool. So you can yeah. bring your dogs. Walk around all day, uh-huh. chat it up with everybody. They've got events for dogs. <clears throat> yep, uh, retrieving events. I think they do some kind of little mini type uh, obstacle course type deal. Yeah, I mean they got all kinds of little stuff. Retrieving events and out water water retrieves. I mean, they got all kinds. Of, it's just a cool place to walk around, hang out for a couple of days. It's outdoors. It's usually nice weather. Minnesota, Minnesota, Anoka, August, which is northwest, just a little bit of the Minneapolis metro area. Mm-hmm. So again, 
excuse me, easily uh, fly into, travel into Minneapolis, and then um, head up to Anoka. So that's another show that we'll be doing. And then as the year progresses, we come full circle to the DT Dream Hunt. The Dream Hunt. Now, this was uh, Brian's idea. What what was the thought process behind this, Brian? Okay, so DT basically is kind of all inclusive manufacturer of dog training products. Sure, we've got e collars, we got bird launchers, we've got dummy launchers, we got dummies, we got scents, we got you know everything else we got. Right. So, what do we hope to accomplish with that? If somebody buys it and sits it on the counter in their house, mm-hmm. well, it's going to sit on the counter in their house. But if they take it. And like we're talking about the anticipation of the hunt, getting a puppy, getting it trained, talking with you guys, figuring out how to use the stuff. And then what does that culminate in? The dream hunt. A dream hunt could be anything. It can be the first point for a dog. It can be the first retrieve for a dog. Mm-hmm. Or it can be a, absolutely a, a dream hunt that says, hey, you know, we're going with hunting with the Standing Stone Kennels folks out to South Dakota and kill us a bunch of pheasants over the course of a few days and take our dog. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So when I sat down and thought about it, I was like, hey, you know, that'd be just awesome. And we hear all year long the, the awesome stories from our customers about, hey, we took our collar and we trained our dog. We had a great hunt. Or, and I know you hear it all the time. I mean, they take, yeah. they take your dogs out with one of our collars and everything just works. And I love hearing those success stories. So I was like, you know, we can't take every single customer that we have out hunting, <laughs> and which would be awesome if we could, but at least we could take a couple of them every year 100%. and get out with you guys, and then it gives me another excuse to come wear you to death, and uh, it's just a good time, and, and it's really fun, and we enjoyed the heck out of it this year, and it was just fun to get out there and just see somebody that had gotten a dog, trained it, and it, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was their dog's first hunt and first retrieve of a pheasant. Yeah. So, to see that, was I, we've shot stuff for years. You know, but yeah. really for me to see that happen was way more awesome than if I'd have shot several days limits worth of pheasants in a row. So I enjoyed that. Well, it comes down to the the conversation that you and I had. I mean, we're walking along and it's it's easy with as often and as much time as we spend in the field to take what is happening there for granted. Yes, for real. And yeah. early in the stages, um, I think you mentioned it specifically, and I feel very much the same. It becomes a game of how many birds can we kill? You know, yep. can we shoot our limit? Yeah. How fast can we do it? When you're young, a big competition. Yep. Mm-hmm. Young and dumb. Yep. Exactly. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, granted, I'm out there to shoot some birds. Yep. For sure. But at this stage in the game, uh, limit is is truly the last thing in my mind. Yeah. Exactly. It's the experience watching that dog when we were out there and. and was it Nick's or Vex? Put that pointed with the bird in his mouth. Nick's. Nick's. Okay, so we're out there. We're out there, and things were getting western, I call it. Uh-huh. So uh, we got us a few birds, and then, Whoa, you, know, you can't just, like, right into the middle of this story here. We're going to start from the We're gonna start from the very beginning, okay? So. Lay it out there. Well, it was a good one. It was a good one. So we started, and I said, I, I start playing this deal out, right? And. As guide, you have to be optimistic. And I, I got true. caught on this the other day. Um, I was with a gentleman. He'd come up to hunt, and we were out in the field. I had to take off, but he was hitting another spot. And I'm like, man, this spot looks really good. I think it's going to be one of the best spots all day. You should have great luck. And he said, that's what you said about the last spot. We didn't move any birds off it. And I said, well, first of all, 
I'm not going to go hunt something that I don't think looks good. Yeah. Right. True. Grass next to food Very true. next to this. This is the, the, the equation that equals birds. Right. We don't go, Hmm. Cover well, food that, and water. That, yeah. Well, that grass doesn't look real thick and there's no food anywhere nearby. Uh, so let's go walk it. Yeah. No, we don't. That, do that. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we get out there and, you know, I'm optimistic. I've got Brian here all the way from North Carolina. I'm like, we're going to find birds. You know, it's going to be sweet. We're going to. Well, I believed him. Well, I, I, I was trying <laughs> to believe me. Uh, Kansas has been a little slow this year. And we walked this first little patch that generally we move a few birds out of. And there was bird crap everywhere. They'd been there at some point. Oh, uh, sign. I don't know. Yep. But we walked all through it. And then. There's these little spots that are essentially completely field locked, if you will. And it's a approximately six acre patch right next to that butts up to an eight acre patch. So you get about 15 acres of grass. Here. An island of weeds surrounded so, by crops. Yeah, there was a little bit of grass mixed mm. in with it, but it was kind of weedy. And it, I mean, it makes ideal habitat. Yep. Good cover. Um, cut bean field all the way around it. And so on the north end of this property, we walked, uh, excuse me, south end of this property, we walked this little pocket. It's kind of like a little wet pocket. Didn't move anything. Our fingers were cold because it's that first walk in the morning before the sun's done anything to kind of warm the atmosphere. Shotgun's cold because it lives in the pickup truck. That's what happens this time of year. And everything is cold. And you get back in the truck, you're like, (laughs) a demotivator. A little bit. Bit of a demotivator. Yeah, even if you flush a few, then then your body starts, everything just oh, yeah. takes over. Yeah. Like, well, should we walk out to that? No, the wind's blowing this way. We need to do, we regrouped at the pickup truck. We drove around so that we could walk plan, in. Plan B. Plan B. We walk in, so we've got kind of a, basically this island. We're going to be hitting on the downwind side of it, kind of sneaking across this field. And... We're seeing metalarks and metalarks and metalarks and metalarks and metalarks, and, metal arcs and then I hear Kansas metalark convention. Yeah, well, I'm thinking. I mean, there must have been a hundred of them mm-hmm. at least. And then I hear because I've got my wild ears in. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, those are quail. And then I spot them in and amongst the metalarks. They were using them for cover. I think so. Camouflage, yeah. something evasive bit, activities. Bit of a hostage situation. <laughs> well, and the hard part is you can't shoot into the middle of those because no. it's, you can't shoot metal arcs. No shots were fired. No. So we saw our quail. Well, then that starts getting you pumped up a little bit. And then mm-hmm. there was one young dumb one that out the front, that was a hand. We let her fly. And then what happened? Mac Daddy Rooster. Yeah. Grandpappy. I'm saying Mac Daddy because yeah. that you literally held the bird on your finger. By its spurs. It was a limb hanger. There was enough <laughs> spur hook that you could hold it. Yeah. And it would it just dangling off your finger yeah. by the spur. He was an old boy. Yeah. So that one is going in your collection. Yeah. We're going to have to talk antler. about your collection. Shed antler. Yeah. So the first day we saw, we did see a covey of quail. I was going to say we didn't see much the first day. Yeah. We saw a covey of quail the first afternoon and we found this little shed that's kind of cool. It'll sit there and then he's going to get the bird mounted yeah. on top. So we stopped. We took some pictures. We did all the things because we'd seen now yeah. three or four birds. And, and back to our point. Yeah. We shot one nice pheasant, but we were happy with it. Yeah. We were soaking up the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. It was nice taking sunset pictures with the sunrise dogs. and everything. Light was good. Mm-hmm. You're getting, you were taking pictures of you hanging this bird off your finger. Yep. And then say, all right, well, let's, let's go ahead and sneak up to this next little 
pocket and there's a good distance maybe 40 50 yards of mm-hmm. my of uh cut beans so which is basically bare dirt with just beans all over it so you guys Everywhere. can kind of picture this a little bit and the we hit the downwind edge of this and i'm walking here he's walking here and then we get about 10 feet into this dogs lock up Using, um, I use the Rat 1450 uh, when I'm hunting because it has the three dog option on it and beepers. And I've got, I'm always running on point mode, right? Yeah, exactly. So you hear beep, beep. And about that time, there it goes. And then you hear one gunshot <laughs> and it came from two guns. Yep. It was like, poom, 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 but it was more like, poom. Go down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then another bird got up. 10 seconds later. Yep. Maybe 15. Boom. Then I go up to get that one. He's going over this way. And I say go up to get that. They were dead. Dogs were on them. But you always walk to help retrieve and make sure that we're recovering. We just stand there and wait. So I'm walking up there. And then I hear one bust out behind me. I don't have a shot. I see Lasley. I'm like, oh, that one's gone. Because I watch a lot of people hunt. I'm going to say this right now, Lasley. I watch a lot of people hunt. And so you get really used to seeing any kind of shot that falls into the edge of, yeah, probably not going to make it because it's kind of tough. Like, ah, that one's gone. And then I hear a shot and I turn and look and there goes the bird. Crumple. (laughs) Like, "Ah, that's why I'm hunting with this guy. You know, the people that are here know that I'm a decent shot with a shotgun. And when I'm the worst shot in the hunting party, (laughs) uh, that's a back-ended compliment for myself (laughs) and a front-ended compliment for the man sitting next to me. Bird bags getting filled on them days. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) So we get through that. Then you can start to see some birds blowing out head, and this is where the extra western stuff's going on. Oh, yeah. Then another bird got up, and you knocked that one down. Yep. I think yep. we're going to have to count this because yep. we only shot four each. Yeah. Um, and then we were, we were at this precise moment, uh-huh. we were, were at five. We are at five. And yep. we round the corner. Yes. We round the corner, and they were uh, birds. A few of them had snuck out the end of this patch because yep. it wasn't that big. Yep. And about that time then. Locks up. Locks on up point. on point. Yep, things have slowed down. It was a live action everywhere, which I say everywhere, but I mean, how many birds did we get up in there? A couple dozen at most. I mean, yeah, I maybe, even, I don't even know maybe 15, yeah, maybe probably. 20, yeah, which 15, is 20. a good number of birds in an area, especially yeah. a small area. Yeah. But um, when you're used to South, like, South, South Dakota, Dakota, right? I mean, mm, yeah. 15, 20 birds looks like a small bunch yeah. in, in big areas there. But Ooh. so it was cool, though. Okay? No, really good. Dogs are locked up on point. We'll walk in there. Last three stragglers. Knocked it down. I winged it. Okay. It should not have been winged. It wound up in the vest, though. It did end up, yeah. Nick's, that was all credit to Nick's. Yep. And then another one snuck out wide, and I tried to, Hail Mary, missed. Yep. Missed. And uh, then we get to, um, can we skip to the good part? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's yeah. like a music with that you know what i'm saying okay sounds just like that we we slide up into this (laughs) next little pocket so there's a little pocket here there's a little pocket here and there's a little pocket here and there's just random clumps of grass all surrounded the the key to this is all surrounded by beans 100 percent. so if you're if you're hunting this time of year yeah may already know this if you find a great and he was talking about this day before yesterday find yourself a great food source with good cover some decent water and there'll be birds in it. And that's that's just what we did. You know? And it, it 
worked out so great. It was just one of those days where you just dream of it all year long and yeah. everything clicks and it was just awesome. So, but back to the last one. <laughs> we saw some birds tuck over into this one, two, maybe three. Don't yeah, know. About two Flew or three. that direction. Dog locks up on point. Right about the area that we were kind of hoping they might still be general vicinity. Yep. Next. I mean, he was on point. You couldn't have kicked him off point. <clears throat> rooster gets up behind him. So he wasn't actually pointing the rooster. It gets up. You shoot it. Goes Kawam. Down. Yep. He pulls off, runs over there and grabs it. Yeah. And he comes back. So so to recount this, it's actually pretty, really pretty cool. So if you're, you're following along... He's locked up on point. He's pointing a bird right in front of us, right in between Ethan and I. And so Ethan and I are having the conversation. Okay, if it gets up, you shoot it. No, I'll shoot it. You, you shoot it. Yeah, but we're back and forth because we're gentleman hunters. I mean, that's how you can see on the screen. We're a couple of gentlemen in here. So anyway, the bird gets up behind all of us, and then I kind of peep around, and, and we get the bird, and he's going and bringing it back. And when he goes, and it's Nick's, right? Yep. And Nick's comes back with the bird, and he doesn't go to Ethan or me. Next goes in between us and comes right with that bird in his mouth, goes right back on point, right where he was at the beginning. And we're sitting there, not that we question the dog, but this is just one of those cool moments that we talk about that's so cool about hunting with dogs. You know, the dog's like, okay, guys, I'm glad you shot this bird. And I'm sitting here with it in my mouth. Yes. But guess what? I'm still pointing this one that you still haven't gotten up yet. Yeah. You know, and he's, and, and it's, it's a culmination of awesome training. Awesome genetics that you bred into your dogs, I got to say, because every freaking well, one of them you. I've seen is a, a hunting machine. But, but if, you, if you stay with this point right here, uh-huh. the dog has, has he's done he's done so many things that he's got to do, right? He, he, he We shoot a bird that he wasn't pointing. He goes and gets it because he knows, oh, all right, I've got to get off point <laughs> because I've got to go get this bird that these two dodos shot. But I'm going to come right back and point this other one that I know is still there. Yeah. And, and we're... Folks, we are 18 inches at most from this bird that he's pointing. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I got to get a picture of this because he's sitting here with a bird in his mouth. So I'm sitting there clicking pictures and Ethan's standing there, you know, waiting for this bird that we don't realize is right there. So in the middle of my second picture, this hen pheasant gets up from this this grass clump (laughs) that is underneath my chin that I still haven't seen. Makes me drop, hits me in the face with its wings and makes me drop my phone. Yeah. And these are wild, absolutely 100% wild Kansas birds. There's no punted birds here. And it was just like, holy moly. So it was just like, it, it brought back to my mind, always trust your dog. Like, it, and not that no, not that there's people out there that don't trust their dog. But you know, there's those moments. Even, sure. I mean, I have them all the time. You're like, yeah. you're like, perfect case in point, talk about past hunts, the sage grouse hunt. Mm-hmm. We had walked nine miles in one direction. We turn around and walk back. And we're, whoa, whoa, whoa. You skipped over that. <laughs> I want people to appreciate this because it was uh, one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever done yeah, in the, it was in a the tough name of chasing birds. But yeah. we walked nine miles straight in one direction yeah, to one, turn around. And come back uh, at least four or five of those miles again. And, and, and back on the topic of trust your dog, that's what brought this up. So we're walking across a, almost what maybe a, two-inch high grass field that had been overgrazed by cattle or something like yeah, that. There was no cover. There. Yeah, there was no. Sage grass must have been sitting on the dirt. Yeah, I think they had gotten in a gopher hole and then just had their beak sticking up, breathing fresh air. Yeah, that So, yeah, but anyway, the dogs come up and point, and we're like, there's nothing here to point, boys. You know, what are you doing, you know? And sure enough, we're, I never saw the birds until they start flying. 
I, and there were three of them. Right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yep. And we got one or two. I got. I think I got one. And some somebody got another one. But anyway, it it just brought that up. Like the dogs are so they're out there doing their job, whether or not we do ours or not. You know what I mean? So always trust your dog. And and that was just one of the really cool observations I had on that hunt. That really made that a really awesome little trip right there. I've, I've never seen a dog with a bird in his mouth. And come back and point in the exact same spot that he was before. And think about this. I've got the picture, and I wish I could bring it up and show everybody. The bird's wing and everything is, like, covering his nose and face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's just like, oh, my God, there's a bird. There's another bird here, guys. So it was really cool. So Let's see here. I the, think I can bring it up. Oh, right there it is. It is, but they can't see my computer screen. Let me see if I can throw this in here. So anyway, that's old Nick's with a bird in his mouth. Another bird. <laughs> it's really <Which>? cool. <coughs> I don't know how you train that in. Well, I've seen it one time before personally, and I know that there's some folks, and I want to hear uh, if you have ever seen this in your hunting because I know that. I mean, I've heard some other people say that they've heard it or seen it happen before, and put it basically a dog's holding on to a bird that they're retrieving and they come in and lock up on point on a different bird basically i mean that's the situation i've seen it one other time before and this was shooter one we've talked a lot about him on the podcast that's actually nix's brother same breeding different litter yeah shooter's good dog yep Uh, really good shooter one (laughs) died as i don't know if you know this so you've met shooter Oh, yeah. So, I have Shooter 1, which we don't rename dogs. So okay. It's, it's gotcha. confusing, right? So, gotcha. yep. we don't do it yep. anymore. Um, re- recycle names, I mean. Okay. But, so, Shooter 1, I have a picture somewhere on my phone. I could probably find her on Instagram or something like that. Yeah. Um, of him doing the same thing, but this was at a preserve. So, tons bit, of birds all over the place and whatever yeah. else, you know. I mean, yeah. to do it on a wild bird, I and I hunt a lot of wild pheasants. And I have literally never seen it before. Yeah, I might never see it again. Probably was, not. That was really cool. I have seen one or two times, maybe, a dog came in to do that, and then they get focused, zoned in on the point, and they drop the drop bird. Drop the bird. And then there's a new he bird. Didn't, he didn't even drop it after the hen flushed. No, the hen flushed. He no. took off after it, and he still got the bird in his mouth, came back to us. It was awesome. Delivered, bam. Yeah. It was so, really cool. Very, very, very cool story. Now, yeah. Um, I have these listed out here because we were talking about this beforehand just a little bit. Um, how many different species of birds have we hunted together? Okay. Mm-hmm. We made Ten, a little 12. list. 10 or 12, easy, right? Um, I'd say. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. So we've got uh, under our belt, if you will, we have blue grouse. Yep, we have sage grouse. Yep. Blue quail. Bob white quail. Um, pheasants in multiple states. Yep. Cranes, sandhill cranes. Sandhills, that was cool. Snows, rosses, blues. Cacklers. Cacklers, that kind of combination. And then greater and lesser Canadians we've shot together. Yep. Uh, pigeons, I didn't write that. We, yeah. We were in, yeah. <laughs> we were in West Texas, <laughs> yep. um, and it was a yeah. crappy yeah. goose hunt. You know, is what it decent, is. yeah. So, but we happened to be right in the middle of a pigeon feed, and they liked the little... Thousands of them. Yeah. We, we shot, I think we shot six geese or maybe 10 geese. And way more pigeons. And 50 or 60 pigeons. Yeah. I mean, they just kept, they just kept coming in. Gave the they dogs some work. Coming in. Oh, yeah. It was really cool. Um, and then... Speckle, speckle bellies. bellies. Yep. Yep. And 
Um, this year, you see, you guys have probably seen, we've gone a couple years up to hunt. Last few years, we've gone up to hunt sharp tail. And this year, Brian's going to be able to come up and hunt with us. I think we're going to hunt South Dakota again. September. September. Yes. Yeah, so it'll be the uh, second, third week in September. We'll have to watch weather a little bit and see yep. as we get closer. But be perfect. Into September time frame. But when we think back on those things, um, I would say one of the first trips that we went on was, we were talking about just a minute ago, six years ago. And that was the sage grouse hunt. Now, um, it was kind of looking back on it, it was silly because uh, they were thinking it feels about silly because they were gonna that morning we were sitting there yeah. waiting for the report to come through. Yeah. To if they find were, out. Yeah. don't even have a hunting season. Yeah, because the the sage grouse were just about to go on the endangered species list. Yep. We're sitting there going, we're, we're out here trying to hunt sage grouse before well, they got go on the endangered species The day list. before, we're there waiting to see if they're even going to have a season. Yep. Yep. So, yep. we did go out and hunt. Um, we did not see very many. We found a few pockets, but we also didn't shoot very many of them. Um, we were looking for bombers and looking for birds and just, you know, one of those a things. A lot of country to cover. Yeah. We probably did, what, 12... 12, 15 miles a day or something in that neighborhood. Easily. Yeah. And saw, and wound up getting eight, nine birds or something. Well, if you average it out, we probably did 12, 15 miles a day. The second two days, we didn't walk quite as much as the first day. Yeah. The first day, we did a marathon. Yeah, definitely. And all day from, well, we got in the car with the, the guide that morning. He got in the back of the truck and was like, all right, so um, have you been seeing quite a few sage grouse? And... Uh, the gentleman's name was Parr. Yep. Good old Parr. I'll never forget him. I don't know if he had a last name. Um, <laughs> he's kind of like Madonna or Cher. Right? <laughs> Just one name. Just one name, Parr. He didn't need another name. Uh-uh. He, he didn't need anything else, I don't he's think. a local legend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, Parr, bless his heart, said, sage grouse. Um. Oh, we were hunting bluegrass. <laughs> we were hunting <laughs> so this starts off our hunt really, really uh, promising, yep. and then we proceeded to go to an area that we walked that pr- roughly eighteen miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, to see two yeah. birds, and the dogs did great though. They, we walked they literally until the trucks. I like. I kept looking back just because I like to have a general idea of where I'm at and everything. I look back and I'm like, okay, there's see. a glisten on the windshield, yeah. and then the truck disappears, and then. You couldn't see anything but a shiny little shiny spot. Well, and that was after hours of walking mm. back toward the truck. Oh yeah, it was insane. It was tough. We were probably exaggerating a little bit, but it was a really long way of walking. Yeah. None of us uh, were prepared, and I'm—I mean, we're in decent shape. We're we're prepared for walking and stuff, but I've never just got out of a truck and walked a, in a straight line. In a straight. <laughs> that was the thing that was from killing. one town to the next. We were actually almost to the next town. We were almost to the next town. And then we got back out, and I was trying to hitchhike on the road to get back to the truck. <laughs> and the dogs did good, and they kept up their energy level. I mean, it was great. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Toward the end of that, they were... They were ready for the truck at the very end. They were ready end. for the truck. But but we sparked our energy because right almost when we got back to the give truck... Give them a shot of adrenaline. We got two, we got two, two birds. So, mm-hmm. But the crazy thing, we we're talking about all these different species. So, obviously, there's species of waterfowl, there's cranes, mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of upland. Yep. And every single hunt... Short hairs, water hunts, field hunts, bird hunts, duck hunts, goose hunts, whatever. Yep. They're extremely versatile. And I'm guilty. 
of not realizing how versatile those dogs are, can be. And I mean, it's so crazy to sit there and see Nick's in a yeah. in a blind in a goose spread, and that when two months earlier I've seen him pointing pheasants in you know South Dakota, and then you know going out and shooting cranes. It's yeah. just amazing to me. So I mean, they're just you know they're so versatile to see those dogs out there getting any and every type of fowl that there is. It, they're just really great dogs. I mean, you, and you guys have done such a good job with them. It's just amazing. Well, so, thank you. I yeah. mean, it's a it's a big part of it to be able to have for us uh, a truly versatile dog in all senses of the word. You yep. know, that's um, they are family companion, waterfowl dog, upland dog. Be able to do it all. Yeah, and they do, man. And they they have a great temperament. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I see we got a couple of people ask, asking about uh, kind of all leading into that, talking about versatile dogs. <laughs> well, we've got versatile collars too. And you guys use some of the, you know, we've got beeper collar. So you basically, everybody knows what a beeper collar is. Probably it's a beep. It, it, the dog stops, the collar beeps, or you can use a loud beep to locate the dog. If you can't see the dog, mm-hmm. we've got those. And then we've also got collars that will transition between those type of, you know, upland hunts and duck hunts and, you know, collars that are hundred percent waterproof collars that float. So, and, and Ethan can, and they, you guys have everything in your online web store. Anybody can check them out. You got the information there. I saw, I just saw a question pop up about it. So, We've got a collar for every situation and every type of dog. And you guys use, gosh, what, four or five different variations of our collars, depending on who you're yeah. sending the dog home with or what you Absolutely. recommend for somebody for what type of hunting they might be doing and everything else. So I think that um, you mentioned a couple of different things there. I think that the beeper function, you mentioned, you know, the point modes and then being able to locate. I think that one of the number one things that people in my eyes make a mistake with is they try and utilize that. For a training. A, Recall a form of recall or a form of communication with the dog, Which and can, yeah. uh, it, it causes mixed opinions or mixed feelings or confusion, basically. Um, and so, it's got a beeper. It's designed for locate. Mm-hmm. Then you have functions on the collar itself designed for communication with the dog. You got exactly stimulation and vibrate. Vibrate, and that mm-hmm. and that's a great point because, and I'm not downing anybody if they use a beep for recall, and I know you're not either. However, there's going to be a, there's going to be a big question in your dog's mind if you ever switch to a beeper locate, mm-hmm. and you're out in the field and you want him, you want that collar to beep when he's on point, yep. or you want to beep and locate him when he's out there. Because if you want one of those two things to happen, and you've already trained your dog to recall for a tone, mm-hmm. then what's he going to do? You beep him, or the collar beeps when he's on point. He's going to turn around. Oh crap! I heard it beep. I got to go back to daddy, or I got to go back to mom. And so what we did is say, hey. We realized that there's that quandary out there. Mm-hmm. So we put the vibration assist in there. And our vibrate, we were just talking about this earlier, you and, you and Kat and I. Yeah. The vibrate that we have is like, it's it's a little, it's a mini little buzzer in there. It's actually what we call kind of call it an audible vibrate. So you can actually hear it buzz and the dog hears it buzz and feels it buzz. And so you use that for your, giving your commands and talking to the dog while he's out there. And then you use the beep to locate the dog and to find the dog and Really perfect case in point, talking about our past hunts, blue grouse hunting. I know you remember what I'm getting ready to say. Oh, yeah. We're going along uh, with the 1450. Mm-hmm. And somebody was just asking a while ago, should I use the 1850 or the 1400? I would recommend the 1450 to that person. Agreed. Uh, and check that out. Uh, so if you're asking about that earlier, I'd say 1450 over the 1850 for what you're looking for. So anyway, we're going along through the at 11, 11,500 feet <laughs> through yeah, some, we were, we were yeah, up there. 11, yeah. And through some mountains in somewhere in Wyoming and we're going along 
and we're hunting blue grouse and they, they tend to hunt, stay in the woods and these thick areas with these yeah. pine trees and stuff. And we're like, where's such and such? It was Rex. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Where's Rex? Nobody knew where it was. And we were 50 yards ahead of him mm-hmm. and we hear beep, beep, beep. And we're all like, holy he's crap. He's back behind us. So we turned and went <clears throat> and guess what? He was solid locked up on if, a couple of blue grouse. If I could add a picture or a video or something to capture that other than in my mind, it was the coolest thing <laughs> in the whole world because it was backlit by the sun, mm-hmm. right? And those grouse were, there was one or two of them up on like this stump Yep. that was out there. And then there's one more on the ground. There's three birds there. Yeah, because you, you got two of them. Got, well... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a second um the so it's sitting on the stump and uh and just had that glow behind it you know and it's like wow that's really cool just wish you could capture that and then paint it or something you know those oh, are the kind pretty. of things that um we'll forget yeah you don't forget and you wish that you could share that with not to i there's a lot of different stuff out there and the folks that are here are hunters and dog people and everything else. But I wish that more, um, you know, more folks could experience some of these things that happen within a hunt and understand, you know, that it, hunting isn't the kill, just the kill, not the kill, but it's not no. what they depict in Bambi or no. in, you know, no. Elmer Fudd or, no. you know, that's not hunting. And, yeah. Yeah. um, it's a culmination it's of about, mm. right? I mean, it's, so I, I'm not good at this aspect of things. I would like to be a better advocate for hunting itself. And then I think there's some guys that take it too far and almost romanticize the situation more. They're like, oh, it's just like, they love the feeling of being in nature and smelling the dew yeah. on the, like, that's not me yeah. either. I'm out there to be with my dogs and, yeah. um, you know, and watch them do what they absolutely love more than anything in the whole world. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. Um, and then you get to see these moments of things that are really, really cool that the dogs do. And then other stuff that just happens. Like we find, I don't know. We saw a bunch of different stuff while we were out hunting just in the last couple yeah. of days. We saw ducks. We saw a bunch of different wildlife. We shed saw antlers. We found shed antlers. Mm-hmm. Rub um, scrapes. I mean, you know, yeah, all so. kinds of stuff. Just, Stuff that you're not going to see sitting in the city or sitting on the couch yeah. or, you know, scrolling on the, on the gram, yeah. uh, whatever. It's, it's interacting, interacting with nature. I mean, uh-huh. getting out there and watching those dogs. Absolutely. I mean, if I, if I loved hunting half as much as the dogs loved, I'd quit my job. I'd be poor. I'd never be, you know, I'd never show up to work. You know, I'd be living right here in your little extra room yep. and I'd, you'd be like sliding food under the door for me. You know? Yeah. You'd I probably mean, be out hunting for your food. Yeah, exactly. Cooking it on the stove yeah. right there. Those dogs live for it. Absolutely. I mean, they live for it. And Absolutely. it's freaking it's awesome to watch. You know? So, and GSPs, yes, they are definitely worth having. They are most assuredly worth having. I see that little question up there. Is that even a question? I don't know. Is, that, <laughs> is, it, is G- it a trap? It says GPS. <laughs> you misread that a little bit. I know. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we've got a couple questions in here. And... I wanted to scroll back through them because this is kind of a fun and, and interesting one. We've got the the e collar specialist here, um, and I wanted to bop back in 
Miss Kelly asked for Ethan's brutally honest opinions on looking at getting the potential of a wrapped or an SPT for the spring. Okay, so I'm going to tell you first and foremost, it is, and I don't want to make a bad comparison. Um, I'm 100% honest. I use the wrapped 1450, and I use it because of the fact that it has Nick continuous vibrate and the beeper. redog option Man, with the beeper. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a good unit. The SPT is the super pro trainer for a reason. It has all of the features, has all of the bells and whistles, and if I had one dog or two dogs, which is an option with the SPT, I would 100% be running the SPT unit. Mm-hmm. It's better. 24, okay? 22. Fully, uh, or 24, <coughs> 32 with the beeper. Oh, yeah, the beeper, yep. 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 So I would be using the SPT. It's fully rechargeable. Has a three-mile range is the written on the box, and I'm sure it's even a little better than that. Yeah. You got 50 levels. You got all, everything's right there. It's a absolutely fantastic unit. But two dog only. But two dog only. Yeah. So this is where the the little bit of the give and take comes in. Um, the the wrap 1450 has the three dog option. That's a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe down the road, there'll be something that changes that. And we'll evaluate, you know, from there. But right now, I personally use the wrap 1450. But if I had less than the three dog category, I would be using the SPT. Yeah. Um, my biggest drawback for the wrapped, which it can be a drawback or it can be beneficial, depending on how you look at it. And I see this right here. The nine volt. What rings. The nine volt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make a rechargeable 1450, please. Yeah. Okay, well, rechargeable is awesome until you forget to charge it. And tonight's a good example. Uh huh. Because this old thin-blooded North Carolina boy walks out that door there, and I freeze solid. It's like nine degrees or something out there. Yeah. So if you leave it, forget and leave that sucker in the truck bed, it mm-hmm. kill it'll kill a nine volt battery right quick. Yeah. And if you get out there to your hunting spot and you've forgotten to charge the collar or you left a nine volt in it and it's dead, yeah. guess what? You pop a new nine volt in it. It's good. And go. it's good to go. So that is one of the good things. And you might say, oh, where am I going to find a nine volt? Well, you know, you might have to stop by the Dollar General or the Walmart or whatever you got in your little exactly. part of the country. Exactly. But it won't take eight hours to do that most times. So that's one of the good things about it. And you brought up a good point. We were literally just talking about this a few hours ago. You keep the Energizer Lithium rechargeable nine volts mm-hmm. so that you, it, it and, and it, it basically turns it into a rechargeable battery deal. Correct. So. You got to swap them, but you you buy uh, Amazon. You can get a two pack of batteries, a little wall charger, mm. you have a backup, and you have your other one. You yeah. know when they're fully charged, you throw them in there, and they last longer. So yeah. you're looking at uh, battery life. I mean, when I'm in full run mode with them, yeah, pushing the button all day, last couple every of days. Day. And we had three dogs on the ground a couple of times. I see it's different. So when you and I are hunting, I ran the beepers on the collars. Yeah. As far as the transmitter itself goes, yeah, yeah. I don't push the button very often. Right, gotcha. So, gotcha. but when I'm up guiding um, South Dakota, oh yeah, I do a lot more management. Yep. Um, yep. Hit the button, switch to the next dog. Hit the button, switch to the next dog. Hit the button, switch back. Hit yeah. the button, and that's kind of like uh, all day. Yep. Right. So I use them a lot more, and still, then I'll probably um, I, I take the batteries out and charge them after every group. So that's three days, three full days of hunting, yep. pushing the button all dang day long. And uh, uh, Bryant, 
not Brian here. Yeah. Brian, who owns company, he's giving me a little bit of hard time about actually wearing out buttons, mm-hmm. which they're rated for umpting hundreds of thousands or million clicks or something like that. Yep. He's like, you've actually worn buttons out on this. We didn't think it would be possible <laughs> considering upgrading the buttons. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, the, the rechargeable nine volts work great. So yeah. the, if the 1450 is the collar you're looking for, get that two pack of rechargeables, throw a little screwdriver in your kit. Yep. Good to go. And one of the reasons somebody might say, well, why don't you just make a rechargeable version of it? One of the reasons that we're able to be about a hundred bucks lower than the next closest guy in that category is yes. because of that. So, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a give and take. It, I mean, they're two sixty nine ninety nine, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think if you jump up to the eighteen fifty, it's three thirty nine. Yeah. Right yeah. now, or three twenty nine, three thirty nine, and even uh, you know, and then competitive guys. Yeah. It's about there's a hundred dollar difference there between the fourteen fifty and the next closest guy in that beaver category. I think so. That's why. I mean, yeah, we can look to, at. It. I mean, so, we can look at it, but I know one hundred percent that you're right in the fact that it is dang near a hundred dollars cheaper. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, yeah. when you look at adding a, a nineteen ninety nine nine volt rechargeable kit yeah. to it, yeah. I mean, you're way money ahead. Yeah, so, so it's a good little unit. <clears throat> now I know we had a couple other questions. I got dry throat today. It's a really dry air. Everything else. It really is blowing in here. We've got some um, questions about GPS units. Are they worth it? Okay. Now, I have an opinion on this, and um, there's a couple things here. First and foremost, DT Systems doesn't currently offer a tracking unit, GPS unit. They have, that's that's a full hunting slash unit. Yeah, we've got the containment deal. They do, and that's a really, it's a really cool, unique collar that has the ability for training and a um, essentially portable wireless containment system. So you set a GPS location, and it creates a perimeter, um, and the dogs have to stay in that. You can set warning buffers, so if they get within five feet of the perimeter line or five Mm -hmm. yards of the perimeter line, exactly the setting, it's going to vibrate, they cross the line, then it corrects them, whatever, yep. and you can adjust the range, and you can do all of those things with it. Yep. Very cool unit. It's not as user-friendly from a training, like a straight hunting collar standpoint. Yeah, not a hunting collar, yeah. No, but it's a wireless containment system that you have a little bit of features with. Now, it uses some GPS stuff, but it's not a full GPS collar. The um, GPS world, there's a few different units. It's the, the Dogtra Pathfinder. The sport dog, tech, trek, trek, something tech, tech, something yeah. to 1.0, 2.0, whatever features. Uh, in in my opinion, don't go sport dog options on anything. Those are whatever. Yeah. Um, and then if uh, then you look at the Garmin options of those things. Okay, king of the so hill. They are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been around forever. They got mm-hmm. all the GPS stuff. And at yep. this point, with what is available <clears throat> on the market, if you need a GPS collar, yeah. Garmin is going to be the way to go. Yep. Go with those Astros. It's a tracking unit. Um, the Alphas have track and train, and they're not horrible to use if you have one dog. If you have more than one dog, they yeah. get to be a bit. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a good thing to point to bring up. You know how we we're talking about earlier. It's it, the interaction you have out there. Yeah, seeing the little things. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, finding the see just being out in nature. One of the things I have to mention that I've noticed, and I've hunted with guys all over exactly i have i have been in 
every province of Canada, just like I told you, all across from yes. the coast to coast of the United States. One thing, seriously think about this. So I go hunting and to get out there with my dogs and interact, to get out there with Ethan and spend time with him and interact, and to notice just everything, the sunrise, the little bird, the noises, the deer jumping up in the creek bottoms, everything. 100%. One of the things, and to decompress without this freaking thing right here. Okay, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you stay glued to this all day long, right? Or am I right? You have to. It's, it, and it's a great tool for work. Mm-hmm. But I don't want this when I'm out there hunting. And so that's just something to think about. <laughs> well, that's 100%. I've been, with, uh, I mean, I've been with folks and I'm like... Um, they don't ever see like, anything oh, going on. Oh, it, looks, yeah. it looks like he's 75 yards. I said, he's right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it takes a second to update, right? But he's right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So... Do you want to I see your use, dog on point or do you want to see a point on your screen? I'm with you. So I use the GPS units <laughs> when I go to the woods. When I go to the mountains, my dogs are not familiar with the area. I'm not familiar with the area. I want to know where they're at. I don't want to lose them. You don't want to lose a $30,000 dog. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> But I run the Astros and then I put my 1450 on so that I've got the beeper that I can hear when they lock up on point yep. and it's quiet. Otherwise the way I use it, or if I need a quick check, I can go beep, beep, beep. There they are. It's fine. But then if I lose them and I go, <laughs> crap, where did they go? I can look down and go, aha, they're 400 yards over there running mm-hmm. in a straight line, chasing an elk. Very situational for use of that thing. Yeah. Like the last two days of our hunting, we, you wouldn't have needed it for any reason in the world. Zero. And, and we put the wrap and that's a good point too, to, to coincide with this. If you're thinking about, do I need, I'm not trying to sell against one. No. If you're thinking about, hey, do I need a GPS or do I need a beeper? Because they can be compared very close-handedly. Mm-hmm. You think about what situation you're going to be in. Are you going to be hunting a lot of mountain terrain where you cannot see even 10 yards into the forest? I'd probably go with a GPS. Yeah. If you're going to be hunting wide open fields in the middle of Kansas, running dogs for quail and pheasant, I, I can't see that the need... Now, do I need a big Toyota Tundra? Nope, <laughs> but I got one. So it's one of those things. It's six in one hand, half a dozen the other. It's what do you if you if you come down to it and say, hey, this is what I want. Okay, well, you but get yourself a GPS. Yeah. But needing it is is one thing. I've enjoyed hunting with you and pulling in everything that there is to pull in in the situations and using the beeper collar because it's the, the most non-obtrusive thing that there is out yeah, there and, and you still see the dogs and you still work and you see them on point and you're not staring at that screen because so. you run them in the <coughs> the run the, the point mode excuse me mm-hmm. where that doesn't make any noise all day long except for if they stop to go to the bathroom which is what it is yep. or if they stop and lock up on point yep so lots of uh <laughs> lots of uh jump back and forth about um another question here something about uh Garmin and Sport Dog Collar user, what would be a good DT system for a half miler? Andrew Miller here. Okay. So, a good, so what would says, you say for the half miler? Yeah. Um, it kind of depends on the features that you're looking for, right? Yep. Depending on what type of money you're wanting to spend feature wise, if you're not needing a beeper, I'd I'd say, I mean, I'd say a Raptor or an MR1100. Those are going to be my go tos. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and that's the guy to get it from for real. Yeah. And he's used so, everyone. Everything that we use and recommend, folks, you can find at standingstonesupply.com. Um, I got to speak up again. Yeah, all right. I'm sorry. I'm quiet. I can't help it. There we go. 
Come on now. I can hear you. Look at how long my arm looks. I know. I'll just stand up like, I need to, you know, I was told the other day I need to have a better posture. So maybe if I'm up here, speaking down into this mug like this. There, that sounds perfect, There you go. Buddy. Sorry, thank you for the heads up, David. Um, Yeah, GPS collars are a, a cheap insurance policy. That's a fantastic cat. Mama's there just helping things out. True, true. That is true. Um, you know, especially don't want to lose situations. him in the woods. No, don't want to lose him in the woods. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, as far as the good options for the half mile collar, specific units with DT systems that we would recommend would be the MR1100 or the RAP1450. Mm-hmm. Big differences between the two are one, you get a jump feature. That's the 1400, yep. as well as a slightly different transmitter. It's got uh, uh, fits around your hand and it has the rapid access button. So you have the ability to be more hands-free if you're, you know, jogging and you need to make a small correction or whatever you're doing. You it can be worn on the back of your hand and you can kind of access a button with your thumb. Yeah. Otherwise, you can do it's all quick. buttons on the front. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. um, I personally don't use the hand thing. It doesn't fit my hand as well. Yeah. Um, so I use the MR1100. We use that one quite a bit. We've shown that in some of the videos, but we've literally used all of them. Um. Lifetime warranties. I mean, if anything, from a manufacturer standpoint, yeah, ex- bad on it. Explain that for me yeah. here. So, so basically, we got the what's called the lifetime warranty on on. The, it's called a limited lifetime warranty. So, the the part of that that comes into play is if they're in the lifetime that you have the product, if there is a manufacturer defect in it. So, if a chip comes loose inside the collar, if something falls loose inside of the transmitter. If anything, any, and we even replaced the button like you were talking about earlier. We mm-hmm. replaced the buttons. If the button comes off on the side of your H2O or whatever, you know, any anything like that, we replace it from a manufacturer perspective. If it gets run over, if you run over it, if the dog chews it up, and and even saying that, I've, I can't tell you how many antennas I've put in the mail and sent out just because somebody's dog grabbed it on the couch, chewed it up. Mm-hmm. We've sent out collars for people to replace just because dogs chewed it up. And it's a family-owned business. I mean, you... You know everybody that works there. Absolutely. It's me and, you know, a few other people. So you, you will be able to talk to somebody. If you do have a problem with it, we will talk to you. And it's it, I just it's a great thing in this day and age to know that you can talk to a human being when you call into somebody that actually gives a crap about it. And I can identify with it. And, I, and everybody that's there has hunted, been out with dogs, knows what's going on, and can, can help you out with it. So it, that's not just marketing. It's really the truth. So we do everything we can to help people. We know it's not easy to have to bust out a couple hundred bucks for a collar, and we, we help people the best we can. We've replaced – we've had H, H2O been around 15 years. Long we've, time. Yeah, we've replaced batteries and back doors and the little the, – the charging port cover that comes off on the collars and everything else for people all the time. We just throw one in there and send it to somebody. So Absolutely. Situational, of course, but – we take care of people, and I know you know that too. So. Yeah, quality products. And the thing about it too is you take care of us as far as repairs and stuff that we need help with, but we don't have to send them off very often. You know, and we beat the living crap out of them from a professional standpoint, day in, day out, 40 to 60 hours a week, the things are getting hammered. And that's not standard use. Yeah, I mean, so, you're not, you're not going to, no matter if I'm coming in here every year and you like me and you're friends with me. You're not going to use something that your business depends on to train these freaking great dogs that you've got if it ain't working. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and that's just the God's honest truth, you know? Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, you know. And then we, I see we got a question here. This is a good one. 
it's a 1400 with a 1450. We've done the 1450 with the 1400, mm-hmm. but you can't do the 1400 and add the 1450 to that. You, remote. Uh, you can. And it, but it won't beep. It won't beep. Yeah. You don't get all yeah, yeah, the functionality. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that's, that's it. You get kind of, um, if you have the 1400 and you want the 1450 collar to be able to use the point alert features like you were asking, that mm-hmm. will not work. Yeah. No. You can sync it. You can get nick and continuous, but um, not not anything else. So you, But you can go the other way. Mm-hmm. So had you bought the 1450 first, sorry you didn't ask <laughs> about that. Because we do recommend that for folks on occasion. You can All buy the, the 1450. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then get the 1400 add-on and then you get the you know the collar for around the yeah. house doesn't have the beeper that you accidentally set off and blow everybody's ears save 90 bucks indoors. save 90 bucks too on an additional collar on the add-on yep all right um we've got a couple other questions here and then i think we're about out of time for this evening folks uh, we've got here it says what are you shooting for 20 gauge pheasant loads so kent sixes and fives the other day yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So typically a three inch number six, if I can get a hold of them, mm-hmm. three inch fives would be second. But um, I like the smaller gauge. I don't think that it's necessary. 12 gauges aren't 100% necessary. I like lighter guns. I like lighter loads. I like beat myself up a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And, All those things. Yeah. But I shoot the heaviest load that I can put through it. So that when I kapow, the bird dies. Yeah, that's the important thing. Put him in the vest quick as possible, quick, humane, get him in there and get going on the next one. Not just crippling and, and losing yeah. right there. No. And, and uh, kind of a good question from this perspective. We ran into this the other day. We expected to see quail and pheasant in yep. the same area. So you would choose sixes over fives in that case because you got a little higher pellet count per shelf-hired Yep. For just in case you come across a quail, you know what I mean? So it, higher pellet count when a quail comes up is a very good thing to have. <laughs> you got a denser pattern, smaller target, you know, you better, better hit it. So we were yeah, running sixes in that situation. Yeah. I guess if you were only thinking about seeing pheasants and it's late in the season, five, I'd probably five. run with fives. See, yeah. I've even got some fours, but I, I don't feel like they pattern as well or anything else. You lose, a, you like, lose a lot of pellets. Yeah. yeah. Got less in there, it's, and being the fact that uh, it's a twenty gauge, you're already less pellets anyway. Mm-hmm. Very so, true. One ounce load, you're gonna have very few pellets in it. What do we got here? Let's go back to this. We got the old survey. I told survey you. Says Oakley is money all the way. Son. Oakley is money. Goodness gracious, when folks. First, we got almost a hundred votes. Thanks Woo-hoo. for everybody that participated. Um, yes. It looks like I believe her name was Melissa. Is that right? I yeah. believe it was Melissa. Go down here. I'm pretty sure it was Melissa. Melissa getting a GSP, and she wanted to know if it would Aha, be named. There it is. Melissa, looks name, like name that you pup can Oakley. name your dog whatever you want, but um, according to this evening's... Uh, the people have spoken. Oakley, Seven. 70 to 30. Mm, that's a... Oh, what, now, who did that? It went down to 69. 
<laughs> One more vote for blue. All righty. We're going to go ahead and end that poll. Thanks for everybody yeah. that participated. That was a great little addition there. I like it. Have you done a poll before on here? Uh, we've done one before. Oh, yeah. And it was to see, it was a, who was better, Cat or me, I think. Well, that, that's not a question. Yeah. I, can't, I, I can't answer split. that question. It was a 50-50 split on the vote, and then I ended it when it was a 50-50 split. I was afraid of losing too bad. <laughs> Um, it says, uh, dang, I went 1400 because I thought the 1450 was too much collar for the puppy's neck. Uh-huh. I like that question. Actually, a lot yes. of people, that, that's a good question to come up. So, you know, it, the collar goes around the, the dog's neck, right? That's pretty freaking obvious. Yeah. Well, if the pup is too young to get that collar all the way around, sometimes you can't get it tight enough because of the location of the beeper. Correct. Right. So we have, Ethan and I have worked together for years on that deal. Mm-hmm. And we actually now have them moved a little bit farther back so that you can get about another, what is it, an inch maybe? Something like that. Yeah, that's all you really yeah. needed over yeah. what was there. Because yeah. the, the beeper's in a permanent location, which yeah. is what helps it to be more reliable <laughs> and have less issues. Yeah. So, yeah, it is It is a little bit better now. And while I'm on that point, I, mm-hmm. I want to mention this while we have some time for all the folks still listening. One of the number one, Questions I get or FAQs, if you will. Mm-hmm. I put the collar on my dog and it does not work. That's all you hear. Okay. I put the collar on my dog. And now this goes for if you folks are using an e-collar in general, I don't care what brand it is. It, this will help you <laughs> for sure. So if you put the collar on your dog and you say it does not work. Well, that means to me, you have put the collar on the dog. You have pushed a button on there that is Nick, some sort of e-stem. And you look and there's no reaction from the dog. You understand what I'm saying? So that's where the doesn't work comes from, right? Nine times out of 10, at least, it's because what I call improper collar fit. They've not put it on tight enough. So how these things work, it has got to get positive connection to that dog's skin, not the hair, not the fur on their neck. And it's got to be located about in this area, not right down on their Adam's apple or whatever. Yeah, it but shifts. Right, if right you on put that it directly mark. underneath, it always floats one way yeah. or the other a little bit. But 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 wouldn't you agree that a lot of the problems can be cured for average Joe? Just you know, and it, and it's hard to to do. You know, you don't know. You don't want to put the thing on there, and you feel like you're choking your dog, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will put it on, and I can't tell you how many times I've been hunting and watched that collar. Look, I mean, you could grab it and just spin it right around the dog's neck. It's not going to. There's no way it's going to work. No. So one of the one of the most helpful things you can you can do or you can tell people that use e collar if somebody ever complains to you or you're noticing that you're not getting the connection you don't think that thing's working check that collar fit and 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 wait the way you do that you take your two fingers and just if you're able to just barely get them under that collar belt and it's got to be snug you're not going to choke your dog yeah it's it, it's hardly possible if you can still get those two fingers up under there because yeah. those two contacts have got to make con- and on it's not usually a problem. With German short hairs. It's mostly a problem with your long-haired breeds like your Goldens and your Labs and your Chessies, more of your waterfowl dogs. It's you, German short hairs, I don't really see that much of a problem with it because it's getting right there. You know what I mean? But I, I wanted to mention that, especially because I, I notice it from a customer service perspective when I'm talking to people out just out there. Man, my collar doesn't work. I put it on there, so I just throw it in the truck and don't use it anymore. Show me how you put the collar on. And they'll put it on the dog, and it'll just be so loose. You can, you can, I can actually get my fingers between the prongs. Put your whole and the dog. hand through there. Yes, exactly. So maybe, and maybe that'll help. So no, far. it's a, it's a very valid point, and I think that um, a lot of people are afraid of over tightening them. Yep. And and like you're saying, two fingers or 
a little bit of space there, and I tighten them down as tight as I can. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're pulling it snug, snug, back it off one hole, and you're pretty much there. Your money. Yep. And you think about that dog. You got a good dog working that ground, and he is moving. And if that collar is just shifting, you know, just here, there, everywhere, just moving yeah. around, you're not making a connection with him there. No, so. and cause additional wear from it moving around and yep. everything else. Um, now, with some of the thicker coated dogs, like you're talking about, I've actually taken trimmers, and I'm not talking shave their neck, but you can take and knock that back, like use a half-inch guard or a, a little more than a half-inch guard, and just take yeah. and trim some of the excess hair out around their neck, and it gives yep. you just a little bit of extra space. Because those prongs are plenty long. That's I've never point. had any issues with that. Just sometimes there's excessive amounts of hair on certain breeds. Very true. So, good Sorry. fit is key. We had one other surgeon say I had to have my beeper moved for a skinny dog, and that's what we did. That exact thing that you ended yeah. up doing with your collar. Um, it's on all switch, of them. So they're all that way now. So because it being the beeper being moved, it still fits the bigger dog. Yep. And now it also fits the smaller dog. So what does Adam got going for us up here? Okay. Yeah. This hey, is, this, I've, I've always wondered about this. I don't wonder about it anymore since I met you. Sure. But let's answer this little. Um, temperature is a huge question. It says, Adam's got a question here. It says, what, at what temp is the GSP done for duck hunting? And I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. Uh, I've always had myself a lab and a Chesapeake. They can take anything I can throw at them. <laughs> and most people look at a GSP and they say, I don't boys good at bird hunting. But, and this used to be me, but not anymore, as I mentioned earlier, because I've seen what they can do. Yeah. But so it's a valid question because people just don't know how tough these dogs are. And you do, and you do, so. They are, and the thing that people are asking for, and I'm guessing you are a little bit, because you actually said, what temp, right? There Mm -hmm. is no magic number. It's like saying, uh, because you've been outside, I would assume. Wind's a factor. 23 degrees, right, maybe? That's cold, okay? You got to put a jacket on, you got to do whatever. Well, if the wind's blowing 30, 23 degrees feels way colder. Like one. It feels yeah, whatever it is, the wind chill factor, yeah. right? That, that the same thing applies to dogs. Yep. Um, then you've got the opposite of that. You can have super dry or you can have damp, right? Mm. If it's a wet snow and you're just below freezing and that wind's blowing, that can feel that even a few degrees warmer can feel miserable. Yeah. Or you can have a really dry conditions and it can be 15 degrees out and there's no wind blowing mm-hmm. and there's a sun beating down and you know, I mean that feels better than the 23 did with the snowball. Radiant heat. Yeah. So you've got a lot of factors that play in. And what I think is more important than specific temperature is to evaluate the dog itself. Now, yep. if you have to break a half an inch to an inch of ice off and by yeah. the time you get the ice broke off, it's already freezing up your hole. Before you even got the sun up, it's a tough day. It's a tough day for a dog. Any I mean, dog, any dog, any dog. But 100%. vest, as you we, we wore, we ran vest on our goose uh-huh. hunt. Yep, vest is your best friend. If you're wanting to get yourself a GSP and duck hunt, yeah, throw a vest on that dude, and he can handle probably about what you can handle. Well, and with <coughs> the vests themselves, we've been using um, Momarsh branded Versa vests because Good vest. well they. They have all, the whole thing Velcros together, which you think, oh, Velcro. Uh, you can't hardly, once you get it stuck, you can't hardly pull it apart. Yeah. But neoprene. The whole thing, yeah, it's neoprene and the whole Ooh. thing Velcros together so it fits a short hair. Yep. Which most of the vests that have been out there forever, they primarily fit, um, you know. a Waterfowl retrievers. Yeah, a mm. retriever. 
because that's what they're designed for is retrieving waterfowl. And that's the primary, yep. you know, dog Useful. in the business. So these are, they can be fit more to the deeper, narrower dogs, deeper chested, narrower dogs. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely taking a look at those. But as far as the specific temperature goes, you've got to be able to read your dog. Um, if you don't have like that thick chunk of ice that you're breaking off and you've got open water for the most part, your dog should be able to go with you. And then it comes down to the environment that they're in. Do yep. they get out of the water? Can they dry off? Are yeah. they, do That's they have a, a vest factor. on? If you have any kind of heat in the blind that you are at all, um, and they can warm up, that's going to help them last drastically longer. They can jump out, they can cool off, they can get back in, they can warm up, and that's going to really, really help with that. Yep. But start watching whether you've got a retriever, you've got a short hair. If you're seeing that uncontrollable shivering, that's that first um, stage in hypothermia. Yep. I mean, they are moving to the point of they are too cold. Whether they think they can take it still or not, they're cold. Yep. So keep them dry. Keep a vest on them, and then evaluate, read your dog. And that, that goes the same in the opposite respect, okay? Um, we had a day, uh, first day we hunted, it was 55 degrees maybe. Yeah, push But there 60. wasn't much wind. <clears throat> Sun was beating down. Dogs got warm. And on a normal day, I would say, well, this is comfortable. Dogs should be able to do well. Mm-hmm. Well, dogs have been in cold, okay, so... That 55, 60 degrees that we were running with sunbeam now felt hot to them because they weren't acclimated to that. So the acclimation aspect of it helps. Um, I would say run your dogs with a little bit extra weight on them in the winter because they're going to burn a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, Come the shivering burns calories. It's going to be harder for them to keep, uh, keep the weight on as well as stay warm. So run them a little bit heavier if you're going to be doing a lot of this cold weather stuff. And then... Um, make sure that they're acclimated, yep. you know, and that just takes exposure, exposure, exposure within reasonable amounts, both, both ways, heat or heat or cold. So Good great question. question. Yep. Um, acclimation plays a role too. Mama's on top of it. Um, one step ahead of us every time. Every time. What would we do with that? We just couldn't function. It says, uh, hey, this one, we'll do this one as, uh, let's say. All right, we've got two more. Couple These are going to be the two that we'll be finishing up. we got Brett, and then we've got Red 81. It says, follow up on the shotgun shells. Do you run lead when you can or non-toxic? What are you going for? Uh, lead. Yeah. Uh, lead all beat, the way. Can't beat the performance. No. You know, some state game areas require non-toxic. Yep. Obviously, we do not break the law when that comes up. You're leaving the lead in the truck. Better yet, we leave it at the house. And we fill our rest up with non-toxic, and we go with basically bismuth. I mean, typically, you know, yep, and, bismuth and, when uh, we can. But lead, absolutely, yes, lead. It's tough to beat. Me, for the most part, I'm going <coughs> to try and shoot bismuth at uh, waterfowl. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it makes a huge difference. All on the time. What we were talking about about killing versus crippling, and yeah, um, it's way harder than steel. Yeah, yeah. So denser, right? Denser, yep. densities be the deal. Yep. Um, so great question. If we can, I'm shooting lead. The uh, question here, it says, can the 1450, uh, can the vibrate increase? My dog does not always pick it up. This is okay. this is a good one that ties back into what we were talking about earlier about collar fit. Yep. If I, if, if you, you know, the vibrate on, let's take the vibrate on your phone, for instance. Mm-hmm. If I have it just sitting on top of my leg or just sitting on top of my arm, mm-hmm. when, it, when I've got it in vibrate mode, I'm not going to feel it near as much as if I've got it tucked all the way into my jeans pocket and I'm sitting down. It's sure. in direct contact with me. Pressure it's pressed you. in there. Yep. Same difference here. I can promise you, 
red 81 Camaro. I bet that's a nice Camaro, especially it's been fixed up. But uh, <laughs> if you take that collar and you make sure it is super tight, sitting right up in here on your dog's neck, you can barely get two fingers under it. And it's and, and here there's two aspects of our vibrate. Number one, tight on the neck so that he can actually feel the vibrate coming. It kind of comes, it translates into the dog through those prongs. It's not an electronic function, but it does translate through there. Yeah. Number two, if you get it right here, you hear it. It's very close to here. So have you ever had a dog sitting on your back porch or out in the summertime around the grill and a fly or a bee or something buzzes around him and you can't hear it? I can't hear it, but they're they're looking all around because they hear it. So they're very sensitive to that vibration, that the tone of sound that goes out through a vibration. Sure, so absolutely. If you get it right in there, get it good and tight, it'll it'll communicate with you. But it cannot be increased um, mm-hmm. through our collars. So it's already set at the perfect level. We studied it scientifically. Well, it's been a level that works for me because we have had collars on the other end that are not enough. And then we've also seen that there are a few other brands um, – one of them, it's not very known in the sporting world. We were talking about this earlier, though. It's e-collar technologies. They yeah. have a collar that is just vibrate, and I would not buy one. But um, it does. It goes all the way up to take yeah. off and the buzzing away. It's tornado mode or something. The top tornado button. mode? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. So <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the biggest thing with that, though, is if your dog is ignoring vibrate, um, there's going to be a better way to train through that. And... That would be a really good one for you to be able to reach out to us. This is a great time for patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. Hit us up there. We can answer your questions directly, work with you via watching your training sessions or set up live so I can help you through. And it's really easy to go through. It'd be like a consult if you were here with your dog. I could say, hey, let's check fit. Nope, that doesn't look right. Or, okay, you're doing that. I see what your dog's doing. Um, let's try this and we can move through really, really quickly with that. And I know that there's a few folks in here that can uh, um, testify, uh, if you will. Validate that. Validate. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a really easy way to get assistance from us if you're not close enough to come here and be in person. So, I do. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining me this evening. Yeah, man. I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys, you guys enjoyed. Um, thanks for everyone that was here with us and... Until the next time, I'm the guy with the pink gun. This is Brian Lasley. Yep. We'll see you next time, y'all. Thank you.